Today on Pop Culture Catechism, we are talking about concerts, liturgy, and specifically the Eras Tour. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. How you feeling, Pop Culture Catechism? How you doing tonight? You could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you chose to be here with us in your earbuds. Are you ready to rock? Have, what was the last concert you went to? Was it any good? Did it move you to another place? Did it make you want to get your money back? What is it about concerts that make us want to go and hear the same songs that we've heard over and over and over? And we know frontwards and backwards, but for some reason, being there in person just hits a little bit different. Today, I am joined by my longtime friend and pop culture catechism alum, Julia Streckley from Seven Miles Chat, pot, Seven Mile Chats podcast. We went to the Eras Tour earlier this year, and she goes to concerts all the time. And I've been to a lot of concerts this year. And we, in our conversations, we kept thinking about the connections between concerts and the liturgies and the celebrations of our church. So that's what we are going to talk about today. If you don't know who I am, my name is Mike Tenney. I'm a Catholic speaker and worship leader from Washington, D.C. I spent over a decade teaching Catholic high school theology and also trying to make it big as a rock star at night. And now I'm blessed to speak to thousands of people each year through events all over the place and through this show, Pop Culture Catechism. This is Pop Culture Catechism, the gospel according to pop music and movies where we look for God's love in the media that you're plugged into. So then when we take out our earbuds and put down our tablets and our phones and unplug, we can actually go out into the world, know God's love and live God's love and share it with the people around us in a deeper way. So that's our goal by the end of this episode is we're going to leave you with some tangible ways to know God's love and live God's love. And also maybe think a little bit about concerts and uh, maybe inspire you to go to a concert or go to a liturgy or a mass or a worship service with a little bit of a different mindset. So that's a promise to you. A special thank you today to our patrons who make this show possible through popculturecatechism.com. Dot com and uh, the sponsor of this episode, CatholicMerch.store. Everything you buy from there supports the shows like this on Awaken Catholic. I want to welcome to Pop Culture Catechism my good friend and alum of the show, uh, Julia. Julia, Yay. how are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited. We've been planning this, I feel like, for so long, A even long before time. the tickets went on sale. We were like, uh -huh. we're going to do this. We're going to go. We, we, we manifested and willed you know, to get tickets. <laughs> and then we're like, and when we get, get it, then we'll do, you know, evangelization and stuff. So like, yeah, God us uh -huh. up. he helped us out. Cause people are always like, how did you get tickets? I'm like, it was God's will. He wanted it was God's will. And I always say, my friend Julia, <laughs> it was because yeah. <laughs> I had, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go to the Eras tour. I I had just bought, uh, I'd just spent more money than I probably shouldn't, should have on Ed Sheeran tickets. And then the Eras tour is announced. I was like, ah, I can't, I can't justify this. And then my wife was like, I think I want to go to the Eras tour. And I was like, okay, well, if the wife wants to go, maybe we can swing it. And then the day that everyone was like sitting in the queue online, trying to get tickets, you and I were texting back and forth and we were mm -hmm. like, all right, whoever, whoever gets in, we're going to buy the other one tickets. And I never got in, but you did. So you got us tickets and we went, we, you know, got the hotel room, drove up to Philadelphia and man. It was worth it, I think. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, we have a story that we can tell for the rest of our, you know, lives uh -huh. there, as long as people are talking about Taylor Swift, that mm -hmm. we got, like, we got tickets that day online. And, oh. and that was a whole journey in of itself for me, because <laughs> I'm a teacher. And I knew that I would have some free time during the day. And it happened to line up that the kids were like at PE or whatever, when they went on sales, so I was like, this is gonna, this is all lining up. God but then come good. four hours later, that dot still was like, <laughs> <laughs> not moving. And I turned my laptop and I was like, if this dot moves, I told the kid in the front, I'm like, it's not, but it all worked out. Here we are. I'm, <laughs> I'm dressed up as I did for yeah. the tour. Uh -huh. I, I remember when, when you, bracelet. When you, sh when you showed up with that outfit at the show, I was like, man, she really, when I, I just wore a white t-shirt, which, you know, a reference to, uh, what song is that? Uh, style, style, style right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. White t-shirt. I don't, I don't, I don't have a uh, James Dean hair that, that time in my life has passed, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew as soon as we got, even before, again, I think I just like was really channeling that we we're going to get tickets. I think I already had like this fit planned out. So yeah, it was nice. the fates and the stars aligned as mm -hmm. um, mastermind says Taylor's lyrics and mastermind. Uh -huh. Very good. <laughs> very good. So uh, if you've watched the show before, if you watched our Brittany episode back a year or two ago, then you know, Julia, but Julia, uh, you're, you're a teacher, you're a, a podcaster and you've got some new things going on. Tell the people that don't know you who you are. 
Yes, my name is Julia Struckley. I'm originally from outside of Cleveland, Ohio. I went to school at Catholic University, where it's where I met Mike. I have a bachelor's in media studies, and I still teach media studies and journalism. And I also have a master's in theology, and I actually teach scripture. Um, I've been a middle school teacher, high school teacher, youth minister, and I'm actually working right now on getting a certi certification in spiritual direction, which I'm excited about. Um, I contribute to blogs. I'm a writer, podcaster. I have my podcast, Seven Mile Chats, that you mentioned. So yeah, I got my hands on lots of different things. We're both music ministers. Mm -hmm. So using the gifts for God's glory in lots of ways. Yeah, as best <laughs> as we can. Best as we can. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was that was the first time we became friends as we ended up in a worship band together in college and then just kind mm -hmm. of uh, realized we liked pop music too and just kind of became friends after that. Living Ended up living close together after college, like across the street from each other by, by mm -hmm. accident. And so I was I was the Kimmy Gibbler over the neighborhood and I would just like stop by your guys <laughs> house at random hours and hang out with you ladies. 100%. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was good. So yeah, been blessed by your friendship these years. All right, well, let's give the people what they want. Uh, we're talking today about concerts and about the liturgies and celebrations of the Christian church. Specifically, we're going to focus in on the Eras tour because we went to it. I also went to the Ed Sheeran mathematics tour and a couple other concerts I went to recently that, that we'll talk about. So first of all, I just want to ask, what do you love about concerts? What makes you want to go? You go to concerts all the time. I do. I mean, I, you and I are music musicians, so obviously I, I just love music, but I do love hearing music live. Um, you know, like you said, I'll go to, I'll go to shows, even if I don't know the band, like if I get it on a, a reference or an article or like someone said, like, you should check out this band and I don't know any songs, I'll still go. Um, when we talk about like why we love concerts, you know, a little bit more, I do obviously I think knowing some of the background of the band and like knowing some songs helps your experience and aids your experience. But I just love listening to live music. My dad's a musician and, and my parents love music. So it's just kind of, I don't know, it's one of my interests, one of my loves. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I love the communal aspect, which is going to tie into the liturgy piece, I think, too. You know, like the, that being with with other people who also love music. Yes. You know? uh -huh. Yeah. I love going and just taking in the musicianship, especially when they're really good mm -hmm. and the band is really tight and I can, all right, what's the rhythm section doing? All right. What are the backup vocalists doing? What are these mm -hmm. people doing? Or if, it, if it's more of a pop thing, like what are the dancers doing? Uh, and a lot of times that I, I go to concerts and more than one person I've been at a concert with has been like, did, did you have a good time? You didn't really look like you were having a good time. Cause I'm not one of these people that's like putting his mm -hmm. hands up and like jumping around. I like cross my arms like this and put my hand on my chin and I'm just like observing and I'm kind of like mm -hmm. bopping, you know, and I just like, am taking it all in, but I love it. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I just, I just, I just take it all in. And I, I loved, we, we kind of had seats off to the side for eras, but I love that because the band was there. So I got to like mm -hmm. see the guitarists swapping out the guitars, the backup vocalists and the keyboardists. And I kind of got to see all the stuff that they were doing. So I, I really loved that. I just kind of go in, love going after the show. A lot of times I like to go up front to the stage, look at everybody's pedal board, look at what sort of microphones they're using, you know, even the monitors. Just kinda, yeah. I'm such a nerd for that <laughs> stuff. So. Well, that's such a guitarist thing too. I should it say is. I play piano and uh, I sing. I feel like the guitarists when, in the bands I've been in, like they do get really nerdy into that yeah. electric stuff i didn't mean to i i remember seeing you at the eras tour though like kind of really thinking and looking and focusing and i can be like that mm -hmm. but i'm a participation kind of girl like yeah. i like that like my hands are up if i know the song i'm singing the lyrics i'm i'm mouthing it like i get into the performance aspect of it so i think you and i maybe are differ a little a bit with mm -hmm. that but mm -hmm. i i also yeah. love the communal aspect and and my one of my buddies uh tom he's a teacher too but during the summers uh he runs security at uh, shows at Meriwether Post Pavilion, which is the big amphitheater show, like right, right here in um, Maryland. And so he gets to see all different types of bands because he, he's worked security all summer. And he said he was at like a death metal festival one time and all the music's like death dying hatred putrescence you know but then in between songs you're just like oh, i love you guys so much this is such a great community you know it's like get the people together and like the people in the mosh pit are just like loving on each other and then they go back to like pushing each other away so like even when the songs are about like terrible things like the music still brings people together and like this kind mm -hmm. of love and i just i think that's so cool you can go to like an insane clown posse concert and they're they're talking about despicable horrible immoral things but there's still this like sense of like community and family there you know like you feel seen and known and, and like you belong to part of something i think it just touches something in the human spirit so that's that's something i really loved uh what are tell me about some of the best concerts you've been to 
Ooh, I mean, obviously the air, honestly, I know we're here to talk about eras, but honestly, I mean, it was a three hour, th- three plus hour show. She started exactly at eight o'clock was after 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're, she's up and down the stage. I mean, it really is the best. It was the best I've ever seen. Now I've seen a lot of concerts, like you said. Um, I remember back in college, I saw Elton John and Billy Joel when they were mm-hmm. touring together. That was amazing, especially as a pianist. We kind of sat behind and we could kind of see overlook like them and, and them working together and getting on these like living legends. I've seen Fleetwood Mac live, which was like a bucket list. I wanted to see Stevie Nicks at one point in my life, you know, twirl around. And so I got to see that. So, um, but I've seen some like amazing, like there's a band that I love called Delta Ray and they're like mm-hmm. an indie folk, like Southern Americana rock um, band. And the recordings are just okay. But like going to their shows live, I followed them around. I've seen them like seven or eight times, but their harmonies to hear the harmonies live, to watch them, the way they perform, the way like the alto singer, just like she, she performs with her whole body. And so I, mm. I, that band is one I follow around, even though I've seen them a million times, just because I love the performance. Yeah, I, I agree. Vocal groups that have a lot of harmonies, a lot of times mm. you don't really get what they're about until you see them live because music is so produced. Nowadays, some people would say overproduced. It's like, you can make harmonies with a computer. You know, you can have them sing the one line, then you auto tune it and you compress it and you, you make, you make a voice sound stronger. You add layers with, with chorus effects. And, and then you can just, you can just add a whole gospel choir behind them if you want. And so every song we're used to hearing these amazing, like harmonies behind them, but it, that's really hard to replicate live. And when you have a vocal group that has awesome harmonies, like, I think that just makes a, makes a huge huge difference one of the so eras i thought was incredible just because there was something for everyone like they had taylor doing acoustic stuff on guitar and piano they had full band stuff with electric guitars and drum solos and drum fills and all that sort of stuff they had uh you know awesome piano players and all those sorts of things but then there's like the dancing and the choreography and there was also like i'm thinking specifically of um tolerate it when they had like that it it was like a movie you know it was it was like a music video but acted out on stage where she's at the it's end of a long dinner table and she's like climbing on top and banging on it it's like you know something yeah it was like something you would see on so you think you can dance or something like that it was Mm -hmm. it was really 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 cool to just see there's something for everyone and that one performer is able to pull off all that was was incredible Mm -hmm. um and the only other show i've ever been to that was such a huge production like that that even came close was in my senior year of high school i saw in sync at rfk stadium and yeah (laughs) and that was incredible incredible was the pop tour and it was yeah it was it was the only thing even close that that i saw they're like flying across awesome on like trapezes and stuff it was it was really cool um yeah, i can't I believe i didn't say in sync i saw them like three <laughs> times as well and it was i'm a boy band girl so uh-huh. yes i mean in sync definitely is up there uh-huh. as well um what i was going to say about the the eras tour too like the something for everybody i mean she literally goes through her 10 eras of music and sometimes when you go to a, yeah. a concert the band always wants to play their new stuff right mm-hmm. and and yeah. it's kind of like this like okay i gotta suffer through the new stuff i really just want to hear their old my favorites mm-hmm. and she, that's why there's something for everybody here because she literally did like five songs almost from every album she did 44 songs total at least like snippets and then to hear him live too like um i know that you and i geeked out when she when their folklore set went from like August into illicit affairs, yes. like that oh bridge. Gosh. She's the queen so of powerful. writing a bridge, you know? And so like, just like seeing how she got to do that live. So cool. Yeah. And she, it was in, it, again, very much like a worship concert. There was several yeah. times she repeated the bridge several times. And it just like hits harder every single time. But yeah, she went out of August right into that. Like the don't call me kid. Don't call me baby. <laughs> Look at this, uh, you know, God forsaken mess that you made me. And she just sang it over and over again. And like all the colors and the whole display, like went to black and white. She's like pounding on the floor and man. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. so cool. So cool. It was interesting to see Ed Sheeran's mathematics tour just like two months after that, because his tour was kind of based around a similar idea is, you know, when he started, he had this plan of five albums, uh, you know, plus uh, multiply, divide, um, equals and subtract. And he's, Mm -hmm. he's had this planned out for like 10 years and he finally finished it this past year with subtract, which, which is, I I think is kind of like his folklore and then autumn variations, which just came out last week and I've only listened to once, but I think it's really good. It's kind of like his evermore. He's kind of, he's even working Mm -hmm. with, um, Aaron Dresner. Dresner. Yeah. So it's, uh, 
yeah, it's, it's cool to see him doing that. But it, it was a very similar sort of thing where like the display would change to like all the greens from the Multiply album or all, all the reds from uh, the Equals album or all the, all the oranges from the, the, the Plus album. So it was it was had a very similar vibe of like we're, we're traveling through this long journey of music that the fans have been with this one artist. And he very much like Taylor pours a lot of himself into the music. So, so you hear everything in his story from when he was busking on the streets of London at the age of 16 or 17 to, uh, you know, becoming famous and hooking up with models to realizing that fame doesn't make you happy and money doesn't make you happy. And, oh my gosh, I'm going crazy. And then he meets the, he runs, reconnects with this girl from his hometown and gets married to her and has two kids. And then she gets cancer and almost dies. And then one of his best friends who like they built a career together, died of an overdose. And just like, all of that is like woven mm. through this journey of albums that we as fans have been listening to for the past decade or more. And Taylor has a very similar thing. And it's, it's amazing when an artist can, and I think that's what speaks to our hearts is they can bring us on this journey with them, with their lyrics mm -hmm. and with their concerts. And just um, maybe in a way we never have been able to do before because we haven't had access to celebrities lives before <laughs> like this with social media and Twitter and everything. You really do feel like, you know, these people and you're able to, to go on the journey with them. So yeah, mathematics tour is really good. I remember one of my first concerts I went to was, uh, Counting Crows and Live. Uh, li Live, if you don't know, is a very underrated grunge band from the 90s. Like, I think they're up there with like Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. They're like, they're excellent. But Live was amazing and Counting Crows was crap. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, I should say Adam Dirt's lead singer was crap. The rest of the band was great, but he was like high and didn't hit a note the whole night. Oh, <laughs> so, I think yeah. they're still touring, though. I had friends yeah, that recently saw them. So I hope that he's yeah. maybe cleaned up. Like, you couldn't even sing along like because he was just like oh, so. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, that's it was, like a 30 bad. year old band at this point, mm -hmm. which is dating ourselves. But um, I was going to yeah. say another trend I've seen with concerts because we are so old <laughs> is that they'll do these. Um, at least I've gone to a couple now where an album that I loved like 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Now bands are playing like the 20th anniversary of such and such album. Yes. And they just play that album from start to finish, which is a really cool experience. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you really love that album, like imagine, I don't know, it's hard to pick a favorite Taylor album, but if you would mm -hmm. imagine like, you know, Herbert just playing that one album start yeah. to finish. I, I saw you two on the Joshua tree tour and that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, Switchfoot's doing the beautiful letdown tour right now. And I, if I hadn't mm -hmm. like spent way too much money on concert tickets this year, I would totally go, but I was like, <laughs> I could not go to another concert this year. <laughs> So. Well, I think it's because of COVID and we can talk yeah. about it, but I feel like, you know, obviously COVID, we couldn't do all of these things. We weren't communal. Um, yeah. And I, you know, people have been talking on the news and everything is like, why this year? Like, why is mm -hmm. Beyonce touring? Like, why is that cheering? Like all of these, um, you know, major artists and people are going and in yeah. droves and like can't get enough. And they're going to make movies out of these concerts. Mm -hmm. um, so why? And I think it is just for so long, we were, you know, we're deprived of that communal aspect. And yeah. now we're, we're we're all, all about it. We're going all in. We're dressing up, you know? Mm. Well, and it's, <laughs> I'm going to dress up to the movie. I'm gonna, you know, it's like, it's really oh, yeah, because they're, they're releasing the Eras Tour in theaters, which I think is awesome. Right around the time 1989 Taylor's version is coming out. So it's, it's a big it's a big October month for for Taylor. So this this episode mm -hmm. will release right after all that stuff happens. So um, a couple other awesome concerts I've been to that I, I have to mention is Hanson was amazing. And I'm not like a huge Hanson fan, like a, a couple, a couple of their songs through the years. I've been like, all right, this is good. But their concert was ridiculous. When did you go? Like back in the uh, day? Like, no, this was like 2016 or something like that. Uh, they came to the oh. Fillmore and yeah, just like three part harmonies all over the place. It, it was incredible. It was, they were so, so, so good. And um, yeah. Uh, the other one, I went to uh, the Live 8 concert in Philly in like 2006, and there were so many people there, but it was one of the few times that Linkin Park and Jay-Z performed together, and they mm -hmm. did just on that crossover album, and it was mm -hmm. amazing to see this two together. It was just, it was super cool. So, uh, all right. Now, so interestingly, people, if you, you said people have been coming out to concerts in a way that you know, they haven't for a long time. They're so excited to get out. I've noticed a little bit of that being a musician at church. When we first started singing again at church, mm. people were like belting their faces off and they loved it when the music came back. Our church, it was like, you know, nobody went to church. You just did it online. And then we're allowed to come back, but there was no music. And then it's like, all right, the musician's allowed to come back and they're allowed to sing like behind a screen, but like nobody else 
is mm-hmm. allowed to sing. And then eventually people were allowed to sing. And when I first came back and played music that first time, even though nobody was allowed to sing, it was like a different sort of mass. Mm-hmm. And then once people were allowed to sing, I never heard people sing like that. And I, I know generally church attendance is down, at least in the Catholic church after COVID, like it's down a lot. But the people that are there are like so happy to be back and so happy mm-hmm. to be singing again and to be together again. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so let's. The day that, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was moving on. So say what you're going to say. I was going to say, I can remember the day, just you have that core memory. My core memory is like them being able to like actually, they put the um, hymnals back in the pews because the hymnals were not <sighs> yes. in the pews because they didn't want people to, they weren't encouraging people to sing. And so I remember the day that I came back and like, oh, there's hymnals in the pews now. But anyways. Yeah, that's really cool. All right. So let's talk about liturgy. What do you love about the liturgy? I mean, it's this, this is why this episode goes, you know, I mean, we we understand the connections here. Like it is, it's the community as, communal aspect. Same thing I love about concerts, um, being able to participate. Um, I, you know, I'm a musician. I, um, I'm a trained Eucharistic minister. I love that ministry, like being able to receive the body of Christ and then to, to especially because I work at a school and I minister mm-hmm. at, at school and to like give a little third grader, like the body of Christ, it, yes. it's just it's so humbling and it's just a beautiful ministry. So being able to participate, to pray with people with similar beliefs. And something I love about Taylor too, is that she really, you know, our country's so divided right now. She really bridges, she loves bridge in her songs, but also like bridges the aisle, like of partisanship, you know, like, I mean, there's conservatives who love her. There's liberals who love her. And I feel like that as a Catholic church too, you know, we run all different spectrums. And so I can be praying with someone who may be, um, you know, votes differently than me or has different lifestyle than me, but we can pray together because we do have that common ground. And I think that's what concerts provide as well. In some, in some, some bands, some demographics, some, you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know if you'd and see I, the same diversity at a country concert than you would at Taylor concert, but yeah, maybe. that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I know this isn't everybody's experience of, of the Catholic church, but my experience of the Catholic church has very much been one of diversity and, you know, mm-hmm. like the, you know, the, the people from like Nigeria are showing up in their Nigerian stuff mm-hmm. and the, and the Filipinos people are showing up in their Filipino stuff. The Vietnamese people are showing and just everybody I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of jealous of like the men's formal wear because like <laughs> from European descent, if you want to dress up, you got to like wearing layers and it's like super yeah. hot. It was like, man, I want to, I want to get some of those. <laughs> That would be much nicer, but it's beautiful just seeing everybody show up wearing their cultural things and like taught, you know, sharing the sign of peace, going to community together, singing songs together, hanging out afterwards, talking to the priest on the front steps. Everyone's kids are running around together. It's just, it's uh, I think it's a beautiful vision of the kingdom of God. And I also just love that there's moments in the mass that are, that are, that are high and low energy. You know, there's, there's, there's the singing and there's, you, you stand up and you're, you're t- t- together, everyone's standing and saying the creed together in this very communal way. And then there's moments of silence where, you know, except for a baby crying here and there, you can like hear a pin drop at, at the elevation of the, of the Eucharist or after people receive, there's just like this moment of, of still, even if there's music going on. And I, I just, I, I love that. I think it's so good for our souls, you know, for extroverts like me to calm down a little bit. I think it's good for introverts to kind of break out of their shell a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) I do need to calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, no, no. Let's drop those as, as, as frequently as you can. You understood the assignment. That's great. (laughs) So uh, tell me about some of the best and worst liturgies you've been to. So to your point about the cultural, we, I think we're, very blessed to when I lived in DC, I live in Richmond yeah. now, but when I lived in DC, it was a very diverse. I also lived in Silver Spring, Maryland for a minute. And like, I, I saw what you saw, like the people in the mm-hmm. pews weren't necessarily of my background. And I love that, that beauty in, in the liturgy. And, and I love the, like in Vatican two, people could bring their, that was really emphasized, like to bring their, their cultural background into mm-hmm. the liturgy. And I love that the church allowed people to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know there's something to be said for the Latin and that everybody was unified yeah. at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's pros and cons. I can do pros and cons for everything, but mm-hmm. um, I love that people can bring their different cultural pieces, but that there is a unifying factor. Like I can go to mass in Guatemala. I can go to mass in um, Germany and it's going to be similar expectations on my end, mm-hmm. but um, like, I'll know what's going on, even if I don't know the language. Um, yeah. But but there is that differing and different culture vibes. Some of the best liturgies I've been to were when I was in Guatemala. So simple. 
um, beautiful music, people playing their guitars, singing in Spanish, very, very minimal, um, not a lot of flash, you know, dogs are running in and out of the church because it's just a third world country, <laughs> yep. but it was beautiful. And, and just like that humility, um, but the pride at the same time that they took in and being able to praise. Um, so that's some of my, I don't know, but I mean, at Catholic too, we had such different types of liturgies. We would go to the Basilica and have this beautiful high mass liturgy with organ and, you know, yeah. incense. And then we could go to St. Vincent Chapel and just me on the piano you with your guitar, I just, but, you know, not to say one is better than the worst. You can have beautiful connecting moments, you know? Just. Yeah. I, I, rem I remember my first mass at St. Vinny's uh, when we were at Catholic U and just being like, whoa, people sing here. Like it's full yeah. of people my age that just like sing their faces off. And even if it's like city of God, you know, it's like, a, a, you know, kind of a, kind of a, kind of a, you know, seventies hymn, done whatever. This one every, yeah, as a music ministry, done this one all the time, week. but people still sing <laughs> their faces off. And then if it was something more praise and worship, people would do that. We did some gospel stuff too. Like, um, and then from once I was no longer a freshman, like sophomore, junior, senior year, I, I remember always like watching the freshmen at that first mass be like, they're going to, they're going to be surprised. Like that you would see them like, look, I'm like, Whoa, this is, this is different when this community is involved. And, and I've seen that happen in a lot of different ways. And I think some of my favorite liturgies have been when the, the community just really buys in. And, and I've, I've seen this in a bunch of different cultural contexts. So at, at Catholic U, which was a lot of like, you know, upper middle class, most, mostly white people, but I've also seen it when I lived in DC and kind of a not great area, you know, we had like drive-by shootings and stuff. And I, I went to the church down the road, St. Martin's on uh, North Capitol street. And it was mostly African-American parish, huge gospel choir. It was like two and a half hours long. <laughs> and like during the sermon, people were like, amen, hallelujah, you know, that sort of thing. And just everything was sung. And it was just like so beautiful. And then I've been to Spanish masses. I went to a, a very similar to your experience in Guatemala. I had experience like that in Belize, just like in a hut, everybody from the village comes out. There's a turkey running through like that. I have to duck because the hut's like so short. And mm -hmm. it's just, and then uh, just this, uh, a couple of years ago, my wife and I, for our anniversary, we went to Front Royal, Virginia, where there's a, a very uh, large, like traditional Latin mass community. And we went to visit mass and we caught just a, uh, we went to visit the church and we caught just the very end of mass. And it's got the high altar with the tall candlesticks and everyone's veiled. And um, it was just like so beautiful that the community, like you could tell, like that was the way that everybody bought in, you know? And so when you are able to, that's one of the beautiful things I love about being Catholic is you're able to connect through the culture. Like you don't have to be a certain culture to be Catholic, right? Like God is found in everything and in every, in every place. And so like you can pray in Latin and French in any language, um, you know, through various styles of music and uh, like e even the church at, uh, at weddings, like, uh, it's an African-American tradition. Like you jump over the broom when you get married, like that can be incorporated into a Catholic wedding or like the unity candle or the pouring of sand, like all those things can be incorporating into weddings and funerals, um, as part of the reflection of the culture of the people. And I just, you know, I really think that's beautiful. So. Yeah, I find that my students, you know, because they've only experienced like one type of liturgy, like you and I were describing all these amazing different masses that we've been to and different uh -huh. communities that we've prayed with. Not everybody has the experience and the travel than you and I have. And so I, I do, I guess, for people who maybe would say, and like my students would tell them, I'm like, go to mass, you know, if you do get to travel, like go to mass at the church. I and mean, we're supposed to have a Sunday obligation anyways, like go check out the different, um, different communities. And yes, you want to um, build community within your parish. I'm not saying like go to a different one every weekend. Um, cause I, I think it's important to, to plant roots and, and build community in your own parish. Um, but just having that experience to, to can, you can see some of the things that we're describing, I think is really important. It can be a great mm -hmm. blessing. Yeah. Uh, -huh. uh, -huh. so it's interesting in, Oh, before we go there, worst liturgies what have been your worst liturgies that you've you've been a part well, of honestly, or seen? I, mean, I feel like it's it's the, it's the ones that people aren't participating in you know like the like no one's singing um no one everyone seems distracted um you know no one's really centered and uh and just yeah like that that communal aspect isn't there is hard for me maybe it's very priest focused you know me as a teacher um my lessons, I, I do a little bit about me and then the rest of the lesson has to be like, you know, focused on my students or I feel like some of the best lessons are like the student is leading it or is engaged in it. And I think it's the same thing with liturgy. If it's just about the one 
person the whole time or just the mm -hmm. focus is, you know, and, and there's not that like that mesh of like the leader and the, the congregation, the community, then that can be really, really tough. Yeah. Well, and well, so two things about that one that's totally in line with Catholic teaching is that the liturgy is so like, if you read like the fancy liturgy documents, Sacrosanctum mm -hmm. Concilium, which is the big liturgy document for Vatican II, which I know you and I both had to study and read and write yeah. papers on in grad school. <laughs> um, one of the things it says is that the liturgy is celebrated by the whole Christ. And what they mean by that is like Jesus Christ is the head of the body of Christ. And we, and this comes from first uh, Corinthians chapter 12 are the body. We are the body of Christ. And so you, St. Paul has this famous part where he's like, can the ear say to the foot that I don't need you? Or, you know, right. if the hand is hurting, the whole body hurts. Cause when you, you know, you know, stub your hand, like it hurts your whole body. Mm -hmm. um, and so the whole, it's not just the priest celebrating, it's the whole community celebrating together. And even somebody just in the pews praying silently is their participation really is important. And uh, one of my favorite quotes from Sacrosanctum Concilium, it talks about the different ways that Christ is present in the liturgy. And it says, you know, especially in the Eucharist, which we as Catholics believe the bread and wine become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. But he says, especially that way, but there's also these other ways that Christ is present. And it says like in the, in the pro proclamation of, of the word in the scriptures uh, represented in the person of the minister and the priest also in the prayers and singing of the community. So like when we go and we sing and we pray at mass, we are helping to make Christ be more present to the people around us and to ourselves. And so we really do have an active role. And the other thing that this makes me think of is that's also what makes a concert good, mm -hmm. right? If the artist just gets up there and is like Adam Doris from Counting Crows that I saw back in 1999, <laughs> right? And he's just like smoking up and he's going to make up a new melody on the spot because he's so artistic and cool, you know, like I can't even sing along to that. Like we, we can't participate, you know, and he's off key half the time anyway, cause he's, cause he's making it up on the spot. Um, I saw blues traveler and they did the same thing. They would like go off stage and one person would solo and the rest of them would like smoke up in the corner. Then they'd come back on and like, you know, <laughs> it was, it was terrible, but the great performers are the ones that engage the crowd, right? The ones that are able to get the crowd to, to sing with them, to jump with them, to feel like they're really a part of something. And I think that's something Taylor did so well. You know, she had this stage and all she had to do was just like, look at one part and that crowd would go nuts. So she'd go over and she like stood in front of every section in that crowd. And Ed Sheeran did the same way. He was on a rotating stage the entire time. So even if he was just standing there playing, everybody got to see him face on. It was, it was very much not about just the person on stage, very much about we are doing this together. That's what makes a good show. And that's what makes a good liturgy, you know? Absolutely. Amen. I mean, one of the, my, I think underrated in my opinion, parts of the liturgy is the offertory. Um, sometimes if you're like a daily mass, no one really brings up the gifts. It's like they're at the table and just maybe the altar server brings them over or just the priest brings them so over. What's but, for the, for the, what's the offertory for people that aren't familiar? Oh, so like it's the presentation of the gifts, which is another fancy term, but like um, the transition kind of between the liturgy of the word and the liturgy of the Eucharist when like the bread and the wine are presented uh, and brought up to the altar. So like in Sunday mass, usually you have like a family or somebody in the community that brings up like the bread and wine. And they're really supposed to be representing everybody. And I tell the students, you know, that's a moment where we can think about like, not just bringing up bread and wine, but like, what are our anxieties that we want to bring to the altar yes. and give over to Jesus? What are like our joys that we want to give over? But I think it's just, we're just singing the song or if you're at daily mass with my students, they're just like watching whoever up there. Like they're not mm -hmm. really thinking or meditating on like what we can be bringing. Cause like you just described in the documents, it says like, we are all bringing that to Christ, you know, and, and just through the, through the priest, he offers it up, but like, he makes the sacrifice and Jesus through with Jesus, but it's really all of us offering together, which I know is one of the reasons why, and this is more nerdy liturgy stuff in the before Vatican II, like when the priest would turn, was turned away and he, it was more evident that we were all bringing the gifts, right? Because he was away from the, the congregation. So it was that visual of like, we're all offering up, Eucharist. Yeah. Am I getting too nerdy? Am I like no, I, not too nerdy. Okay. No, I, I love I love me some Ad Orientum. I think I if if it was if I if I made the decisions, I think Advent and Lent would be Ad Orientum, and then because that emphasizes like we're 
in preparation for Adoranta, can, can, can you explain that for our, so, our latest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, drop, we're dropping some serious uh, <laughs> jargon here. <laughs> so it means Adoranta means towards the east. That would be when the priest faced ha- away from the people into the altar and they were facing east. And they're supposed to be like in expectation of Christ's second coming. And so for, for many, many years in the Catholic church, that was how a lot of people worshipped. And so... Um, since Vatican II, most people have been what they call versus popular, which means towards the people. And it, it, that greater emphasizes like the meal element of it. And I think both are important and both emphasize different things. So if, if I had my way, I would have certain part of the year we face at Orientum to emphasize like, like hey, we're, in, we're in preparation for the coming of Christ. And then like at Easter and Christmas, when we're celebrating Christ's presence here with us, that would be a good time to turn versus populum. So anyway, that. If, if I wrote the liturgy rules, which I don't. But, but I think it relates to so. the, the concert. I think it relates to the concert piece too. You know, like mm-hmm. um, they, you know, they have their like set things. Obviously we were, t- when we were for the concert, I wanted, I didn't think I wanted to know the set list. Like, I think yeah. I wanted to just like be surprised and like experience it. But then I that got into me. TikTok and I had seen like the whole <laughs> entire show <laughs> before we went to Eras. And you were like, don't tell me I want to be yeah. surprised. So I, spoilers. I think there, and this is part of liturgy too, right? Like there is the beauty in like knowing what's going to happen and like yeah. that, that routine. And when we talk, when I teach ritual and stuff with my students, like we talk about all the different things that we have routine in our lives and how beneficial it is. But then she does her surprise songs and you don't know, you can't plan for that. So anyways, back to what you were saying about like kind of maybe alternating or having more balance. Um, and also the way you just described the liturgy, all those little details, people don't necessarily know. And mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking about like at a concert, you know, all the lyrics, you know, the meanings behind all the lyrics at liturgy. I think a lot of time we don't know the meaning behind all of the actions like the priests mm-hmm. get to learn that stuff, but we don't all get to learn that stuff. And I think it would be beneficial. I love when a priest does like a teaching liturgy. Our pastor at the parish I work at like does like like kind of stop. Or if he doesn't want to do it at mass, he can like do ahead of time. He'll do like a little session where like, this is why I wash my hands this, you know, and do this with this vessel or whatever. You know, I think mm-hmm. that that's to learn the meaning behind all that. Just like we learn the meaning of the lyrics at a show, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's beneficial. Yeah. And, and I, I I agree with you. I think I think there is something to a little bit of like the mystery to it, and kind of mm-hmm. that maybe this is a little more uh, the artistic side of concert is. You know, we don't think about why Taylor chose during the Reputation set to have like a snake, her leg is a snake, you know, <laughs> like, but just the fact that she did it kind of hits us in this way of like, Oh, Taylor's a little more badass right now. You know, like it just, you don't think about it as that level, but it has, it just, it just kind of hits you in kind of a, a nonverbal symbolic way. And mm-hmm. I think there's things like that in the liturgy too. Like we don't always think, Oh, the incense rising represents our prayers rising to God. It's just like the smell of it and the sight of it just kind of transports us to another place. And I think concerts can be like that too, with the smoke machines and the, and the dancing, like we, we don't necessarily need, I think it's helpful to understand those things, but I don't think in liturgy, we necessarily need to understand everything for it to hit us and it to be good for us. I was, I was talking yeah. with my friend the other day about like kids during mass, like my three-year-old, should he be going with the liturgy out with the kids liturgy or should he be staying during mass so he can experience. And I think there's something to be said for both of those, but I think it's important even for young kids to frequently, if not every week, um, you know, to, to, to stay through the entirety of mass, to be able to just kind of by osmosis kind of soak in the symbols and the signs, you know, and mm-hmm. I think there's, there's a beauty to that too. Although I, I, I do agree. I think a lot of people for the most part, if they haven't studied this stuff as part of a program or something, mm-hmm. they don't know why the heck the priest is washing his hands or doing this or wearing this or why, why we do the, the cross on our head and on our, you know, mm-hmm. why, why do we do all these things? Um, You're right. I mean, I think there, there's another beautiful thing about the liturgy is mystery. And also like with a concert too, there's so much going on in the background and all the people, the set people mm-hmm. and people put it together. Like we don't know all the ins and outs about, I'm sure it's beautiful and cool. It would make the experience even cooler. Maybe in a way, maybe it would, yeah. maybe it takes away some of the smoke and mirrors that we like. <laughs> so I totally, yeah. I see what you're saying. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that, there's different postures in the liturgy 
Like we kneel at certain times, we stand at certain times, we sit at certain times, we hold our hands different ways at certain times. And there's even controversy about that. Uh, but it's interesting that at concerts, we have the same thing. There's times it's like, let's get on your feet. Everybody's hands up, you know, <laughs> everybody over here. How are you doing up there in the top? How are you doing over there in the back? You know, like there's, there's different times, you know, even in a sports game, there's like times when you do the wave. There's times when, you know, if you were at like in Pittsburgh, they have the terrible towel and everybody takes up their towel and there's, it, it's, it's very legit liturgical in a way is we have these rituals like everybody knows this is the action you do at this time and this shows that we're together and what we're doing at the time and there's there's something that's really built into the human soul that i think yearns for that sort of ritual communal experience and there's something that's really good for us it, it teaches us something about who we are and what we're supposed to be doing and like what's what's good for us you know mm -hmm. so i think i think there's something really just it yeah, satisfies something that, deep within us. There's always that like element too, like if no one else is standing and you want to stand, I've had that happen. I was with a mutual friend of ours. This is like early 2000s. We went to see The Shins, which was a band that we loved, open for The White Stripes. And everybody was really there to see The White Stripes. They were the main act, but we really wanted to see The Shins. So The Shins came out and we all stand, me and my friend and I are standing up and we're like, yeah, singing along and everything like that. People behind us were like, sit down. <laughs> we're like, we're here to experience the concert. I paid money too. So there's always that kind of like tug and pull, but not at Taylor. Taylor was like, we're all on our feet, but then you could sit down <laughs> when it's a slow song. But yeah, I totally, I see yeah. what you're, uh -huh. you're saying. Well, and like I, even I, I Taylor too, like at the Eras, like there's certain parts and certain songs that fans will like chant certain things. Mm -hmm. um and stuff so yeah well and there's th that's very much like the liturgy where there's call mm -hmm. and response you know mm -hmm. the lord be with you and with your spirit and mm -hmm. lift up your hearts we lift them up to the lord is right and just like there's all these things that if you grew up catholic you just kind of know but if you didn't grow up catholic like i have a, a lot of several converts in my family and this is the first time they went to mass they were like what how does everybody know what's going on how do they know mm -hmm. when the stand sit say the right things and it's kind of like going to a concert where you didn't know the artist mm -hmm. first you wouldn't you wouldn't really know what you know what to do or what the cool things to to do are um you know why at Berlin Hick and ladies concerts do they throw macaroni on stage or at Foo Fighters right. concerts why do they throw Mentos at, at Dave Grohl and like <laughs> there's just these weird little things that fans communities come up with you know I know I went to um be in this in the spirit of the eras this year there's been all these like Taylor dance parties Taylor mm -hmm orchestra concerts and things. And I've done them all. So because I'm, I've, that's awesome. You I made fun of you back in the day. And I always, I need to retract when I made fun of you for uh -huh. you being in your red era and your speak now. Uh -huh. I was not down with, with Taylor early on, but I'm yeah, all you, in you, now. You, 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 you recorrected hard. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, yes. But I was at these lists of dance party with my friend. It was so lovely that she wanted to go. She really just wanted to dress up because she knew I was going to like dress like this. And so she's like, mm -hmm. I'll dress up. But I was explaining everything to her while the um, while we were at the party. And, she, and so back to your point about like mystery, too, because I thought it would be helpful for her to know, like, this is why Swifties do this. This is why we, you know, boo John Mayer or the dear John or whatever, you know, like she, and she's like, you don't have to tell me everything. And I was like, oh, teacher, I can't help it, you know. But I mean, I wasn't letting her experience everything mm -hmm. for her own for her own, you know, herself in her own way. Yeah. Uh huh. It, it is interesting to me how there is kind of an ebb and flow to concerts that is not that different from the liturgy. Like every concert's pretty much going to open with a banger and then like a few <laughs> hit a few hits off the bat, you know, and the liturgy is kind of like that. Like you tend to start with kind of a, a triumphant, um, you know, up more upbeat song. And then there's like, yeah, yeah. And then you bring it down later. But before that, there's like the Gloria, the things we repeat every week, the penitential rite. Um, and th then it kind of gets into like some 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 old favorites, like the, <laughs> the readings, you know, the Psalms. And then then there's like the acoustic set in the middle with some ballads. And that's kind of like, you know, m maybe the the Eucharistic prayer. And then you end big. Right. <laughs> and, and I was thinking about this. There's this funny little thing. I, I was thinking about this because um, me and my friend Brian Rood, who was on our um Ed Sheeran episode. He and I went to see Ben Rector and Cody Fry uh, at the Kennedy Center. He played with the NSO. It was an awesome concert. And Ben Rector has this thing where he kind of hates encores. He's like, 
okay, I'm going to say this is our last song, but really what's going to happen if you've never been to a concert before is we're going to walk off. You guys are going to clap for a couple minutes and then we're going to come back on and do like one or two more songs and everybody's going to act like they're surprised, but everybody knows that it's coming. Mm -hmm. It's like this weird little ritual we do at the end. Um, and then when they turn the lights on, then you really know that it's over. And it's kind of like that at mass where they're like, the mass is ended, go in peace. But then we still sing another song and like sometimes mm -hmm. say the St. Michael prayer or like, you know, mm -hmm. go into adoration afterwards. <laughs> It's like, psych, not ended. We're actually going to keep going. So it's just funny how even little things like that have some parallels in the mm -hmm. liturgy. And I just wonder, uh, I wonder why that is. Like, what is it about us that, that wants that, you know? Um, yeah, I don't want it to be over yet. Or, and that human nature, that transcendent, yeah, it's being communal. It's this once in a, well, for concerts, it's like this once in a lifetime kind of moment. Like, we'll, we'll never have that, that arrows moment again. Um, you know, mass is a little, you know, more frequent, obviously, but even in that moment, like that present moment and Jesus will become present again in the Eucharist all over the world many times, but in that one moment we are meeting him. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, but I think as Catholics, we take that for granted. Like, I don't think about oh, yeah, that all sure. the time when I'm yeah. in mass, I should, but. I forget where I saw this, but I was, you know, cause I did music at a bunch of different churches and, and one of the, the like sacristy is the room behind the altar where like the priest and the altar service get ready and, and the musicians and everything. There was a sign over like the priest like desk where he gets ready and it said, celebrate this mass as if it was your last one. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of that idea, like each one of us should have that mentality going in is that this mass, like, what if it was our last, what if this was our last chance to receive mm -hmm. the body and blood of Christ, to like sing together with these people, to pray together with these people. And I, you know, we shouldn't take it for granted. We should see it as a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, and then there are some times where we do have like huge masses. Like, you know, we, mm -hmm. I got to see Pope Francis in front of the Basilica back in like 2014 or like a world youth day or a seat conference or, or NCYC or something like that, where you have tens of thousands of people together. And that's, that's really awesome too. It's more like a, I don't know, Coachella or something like that. <laughs> so, all right. So I, you and I were talking about how, there is something in the human spirit that seems to want this ritual, this liturgy. And for some reason, concerts are one of the ways that, that we, that we seek that. Like so many people talk about having like spiritual experiences or religious experiences at concerts and be like, Oh, I was transported or, Oh, I saw the Rolling Stones when I was 14. And it was the, the most deeply religious experience I've had. Or a friend of mine on Facebook said the other day, like, Oh, seeing Harry Styles was my first real religious experience or something like that. And I, and I wonder what it is that it connects to that religious sense in us with these celebrities and with with this music um i was reading in the book of revelation so this is book, book of revelation chapter four i'm gonna read kind of skim a bit here so uh john who's the who's one of the johns in the new testament we're not exactly sure which john but it's one of the johns <laughs> uh after this i had a vision of an open door to heaven uh with an open door it's like chance to be with God face to face. Like you go to a concert to see the celebrity in real life. Uh, and I heard a trumpet like voice that had spoken to me saying, come up here and I will show you what will happen. And at once I was caught up in the spirit. There's this moment where you're like, your spirit is elevated and a throne was there in heaven. And on the throne sat one whose appearance sparkled like Jasper and Carnelian. Like, and you think of Taylor up there, like she's still bejeweled. She walks in the room, makes the whole place shimmer, you know, like they're literally it's, it's a very similar description. Um, a halo is brilliant as an emerald surrounding the throne. I saw 24 other thrones with 24 elders sat. Okay. I'm thinking like the band, the backup dancers, the, the entourage. Okay. Um, dressed in white garments with gold crowns on their head from the throne came flashes of lightning rumblings peals of thunder i'm thinking like the light show the subwoofers you know <laughs> like it's very much like a concert seven flaming torches blame, uh gleamed in front a sea of glass like crystals i'm thinking of everybody holding up their lighters or, their, or light up wristbands or their cell phones with their lights on them in the center and around the throne um all right, I'm just going to skip a little bit here. There's some weird angel stuff. And <laughs> you'll have that. All right. All right. So <laughs> you will have that. All right. So uh, each of them has six wings and covered with eyes inside and out. It's weird stuff. <laughs> okay. But here's the part I wanted to go, go in on. It says day and night, 
they do not stop exclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and who was and is to come. Like when we go to a concert, it's because we go, we kind of want to adore someone. There's something yeah. in us that wants to adore someone. Like we want to go see Taylor Swift and just be like, oh my gosh, you're so awesome. We want to go see Ed Sheeran and just be blown away by how talented he is. And we're disappointed when they're not everything we thought they would be. Um, this is verse nine. Whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to the one who sits on the throne. Like that is such a concert experience. You go to give glory and honor and thanks to this person who has brought like beautiful art into your life. Um, worthy are you Lord God to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things. So my conclusion when I read this is God made us, he put in our hearts this desire to worship him forever, to adore him forever. And this vision that we get from the book of Revelation of what heaven will be like, it's not that different from the Eras tour. It's not right. that different from going to a concert with a myriad of thousands of people around you. And God is there enthroned with flashing lights and rumbling thunder. And we're just all ecstatic to see him and be like, God, you are so good. You are so awesome. And God has put that desire to adore him and to worship him and to recognize his goodness and beauty in our hearts. And it is good for us to do it. And so I think when we go to concerts and we get this ecstatic feeling, that's because we're tapping into something that God made us for. And, and mm -hmm. I don't think that's bad to do that at a concert unless mm -hmm. it makes you lose sight of mm -hmm. the creator of, mm -hmm. of whose beauty Taylor Swift is only a small reflection. You know what I mean? Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I was, I've told this story a, a bunch of times, but I was one time at a youth conference where I was leading the band and it was like the, the last night and we were singing all the favorites and everyone was clapping and jumping up and down. It was like, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And I'm like, my friend Brian's on the drums, my friend Kevin's on the bass and we're like rocking out and everybody's having a great time praising God. And like, we get off stage and like, everybody's feeling good. It was like super hot. Like everybody's on this super spiritual high. And one of these like 13 year old kids like says to his friend, I'd overhear it. He's like, man, it was like a fake concert. <laughs> Mm. And I was like, so like, ah, so like downcast, you know. Um, but I think he, he's he's right and he's wrong. He's right in that it's very similar to a concert. But what he's wrong about is that the concert is not the reality, yeah. and the worship is not the cheap imitation of the concert. The concert is the cheap imitation of the worship. Worship is not a fake concert. Con a concert is fake worship, right? It's that's a fraction of what we will do with God. I saw a meme the other day. It was on one of these like deconstructing exvangelical um, accounts. And they said, you know, I used to think I was a Christian when really I just loved live music. And they're like, mm -hmm. you know, I loved all the worship music and that's mm -hmm. why I was a Christian. And then I went to these other concerts like, oh, these are just as good. And I love that. And I think it's that same sort of thing is a lot of times the fancy word is idolatry, but we mistake the creator for the creation and the creation for the creator. And we see the beautiful things of this world. And for some reason in our sinfulness and brokenness, we're blinded to the beauty that that beauty comes from God and is only a small reflection of God who is ultimate beauty. So I think uh, also our society yeah, is so like, we want instantaneous. We want like something that's going to happen quickly. So music is a really, and being in a concert is a really great way to get that instantaneous, yes. like high, um, like what you're describing, like I also have been in parts of my life where I, I was like into praise and worship music and stuff. And it was really just about the emotion that I felt, not so much the worship. And I think that's that we can get into that danger and, you know, of like, it's just more about like the emotion that I'm feeling, not necessarily the reality. Um, and, you know, emotions are part of, it. I think one of the reasons we do love concerts for me, it's not about like the person I have gone all in on my love for Taylor Swift, but I, it's my, um, but it's my connection to like her lyrics. I feel like her lyrics yeah. are so relatable. Like I think about that Marjorie moment where oh my gosh. Like, all of us could connect in a different way to that song. It's a song about mm -hmm. her grandmother. I'm looking at yeah. your wife who I know is thinking about her mother. She didn't have to say mm -hmm. anything about it, but just in that moment, like I saw her crying and I was like, she's thinking about her mom. You all knew I was thinking about my grandmother who was very yep. important to me. So Obviously. I just think that, at that moment, it wasn't about Taylor. It was transcendent. It was like our personal yeah. experiences to our loved ones. And to that you had mentioned earlier, like a lot of songs about death and stuff will do that because yeah. it's something outside of ourselves and it is drawing us back to. So I don't think like you and I are sitting at Taylor Swift thinking about like, 
her as an idol. We're thinking about oh, no. God yeah. and we're thinking about how mm-hmm. her beautiful her lyrics are and such a gift from God and that we're all in this yeah. community together and that's transcendent and that is um, an image of heaven, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I see for some people it can be a danger. They can get up, caught up in the emotion because then I think about when the concert's over, that like high is depleted and it's and same thing at mass or like after a retreat. I felt that all the time yeah. after going on a retreat. I, I go that retreat and I'm like, okay, but how am I going to match this and you can't then that's so that's not yeah. realistic so i don't know i said a lot there but emotion no, I th- connection yes yeah. and, and two two things specifically i want to focus on is one that like spiritual high is i mm-hmm. think that's so important for especially for those of us in ministry to not focus too much on those spiritual highs i think those can be important and those can be important springboards for like getting people more involved but we, we got to know all right so once we help people experience god and be like whoa something real is happening here how do we, how do we take them to the next level? It's, it's kind of like in a relationship, like it's easy to fall in love with somebody. It's hard to have a loving marriage for 10 years or 20 years. You know, it's, it's easy to go on retreat and sing the songs and come home with the spiritual high and say, you love Jesus. It's a lot harder to become a disciple and an apostle and somebody who becomes a conduit of God's love to the world. You know, like that's, that's much harder. And um, so that, that's the one, I think that's a great point you made. The second one is that moment. Uh, so Marjorie, as you said, is a song that Taylor wrote about her grandmother and you can even hear who is an opera singer and you can even hear her singing in, in the track. It's off of, uh, Evermore. Yeah. That's off Evermore. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that was just like such a, we were all, you, me and Maddie, we're all, we're all hugging and. <laughs> and I knew it was I saw, coming cause I knew the set list. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, there are moments that you're going to have to hold me and I'm going to look at you and you're going to know it's that moment. And I just kind of was like racing for you. Yeah. And my friend next uh-huh. to us, Laura, she's lost yeah, both of her parents. Well, and like, oh I mean, God. I just like knew it was going to be a moment. <laughs> And the same thing happened at the Ed Sheeran concert, because like I said, the subtract album is like all about his wife having cancer and his best friend dying. And I, I went to that concert with my wife and her two sisters who just lost their mom, as you said, a couple of years ago. And like, he's talking about these songs and he's singing these songs. It was like, it was deep. Like, and they're just looking at each other and like, they're all crying. I start crying. We're all hugging each other. Like it was, it was intense, you know? Then to match that then to liturgy, like, you know, funerals, especially in the Catholic church, you know, they're meant to be, obviously we're, it's a way for us to process and to mourn, but we're also supposed to be celebrating and, and rejoicing and thinking about our loved ones. And so it can be very cathartic to like, mm-hmm. there's certain songs like you are mine. I've I've sang at so many mm-hmm. funerals, but some reason those mm-hmm. lyrics still like get me. People love on Eagle's wings. I don't love on Eagle's wings, but that's one that people <laughs> like, <laughs> this is something I was thinking earlier too, when you're talking about like, or when we were talking about hits, like with the concerts and stuff, yeah. like we just want to hear the, the hits sometimes. Yeah. And as a music minister, like, I don't want to play the hits anymore. Like yeah, I, uh, but for people, it does something. Ani was when says something. Anyways, there can be songs that like funerals and stuff where same thing, it hits and you just like, you know, you're connected to your loved one. You're connected to the community. You're connected to God. Anyways, maybe, maybe I should take it easy on Adam Duritz. He doesn't want to sing Mr. Jones again. I don't want to sing here I am Lord again. You know? <laughs> I don't want to sing here I am Lord. I don't want to sing one bread, one body. Afraid. I don't yeah. want to do it. Nope. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but then we get crafty and then we get creative and the music minister is like, I'm going to pick this really obscure and like no one knows it. No one wants to sing it. So I get it. Yeah, exactly. I get it, I get it too. I get it too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, one thing from the verse from revelation that I, I I'd wanted to talk about that I missed is the part where the, the, the assembly, all, the, all the angels. angels. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't ever go- do a Google image search on like biblically, a- bi- biblically accurate angels. Please, it's please Google it. I disagree. <laughs> okay. Google it. Sorry. Go back. Be course. not, don't, don't be afraid, Mary. It's like, ah, right. <laughs> Um, or Ezekiel. All right. Anyway, what I was saying is all, all the angels with all the eyes and all the wings and the elders and the people holding the the lamps, all this in, in revelation chapter four. And there's like myriads upon myriads of people worshiping. Um, what it says is that they worship day and night and they do not stop exclaiming. And how many pop songs are about like dancing day and night, you know, dance until the world ends, you know, singing this song forever. I want to be in your arms forever. Like there's so many pop songs that have this longing for eternity, right? Where, and there's, there's even been 
uh, comedy acts about it. Like there was that Key and Peele sketch about being in the club and about how the party never stops. And it, and like they go to sleep and then they wake up and the party's still going on. They like can't escape it. And there was <laughs> that, that uh, Andy Samberg movie where it was like never stop, never stopping. You know, like people make fun of how many pop songs are about going all night, you know, and just, just never stopping anything. And I think there's something like nobody actually wants to never stop partying. Like you would, you would die and be exhausted and dehydrated and like you need to rest at some point, but there's something in us that wants to worship forever. There's something mm. in us that wants to party and celebrate forever. And again, I think that's a longing that God put in our hearts for himself and for heaven where we will get to party and celebrate forever, you know? And I think that's why we want to sing about it so much. Mm -hmm. So. And that does make me think of the back to the angels. <laughs> you can think about them <laughs> biblically or not, but um, I think we prefer our little more humanized version of them, but um, are personified. But I mean, back to that altar, that image of the altar. You know, we say those words that you just mentioned, Revelation, holy, 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 like proclaiming an, an, an image. Um, I want to say it was a campus minister, Catholic, that said, like, when we're saying those words, like, imagine. I mean, the angels are there, present at the altar because yeah. anywhere God is, they are. So try to like picture in the liturgy and maybe if you're a more visual person, you know, sometimes liturgy can be maybe not, I mean, we have so many visuals in the church, but like if you're an imagination kind of person, kind of a nation's person, like imagine like the angels there present with us becoming present and Jesus becoming present. I don't know it, it, when you're talking about day and night, like that's the role of an angel. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. Especially and at the, the Hosanna, like the Holy, 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 or sometimes it's called mm -hmm. the song and like the pre, the way that, everybody sings that, but right before that, the priest says, and so we sing together with the saints and the angels. Right. That's and my so, cue that I know I'm coming yeah, in. <laughs> that's my cue too. I know that I'm coming in. I gotta, As we claim with all the angels. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> but they're, they're, that's supposed to remind us that, yeah, we're not celebrating this together. And, and uh, Alone, I said it like every, yeah, 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 everyone's there. And I said this in the Evermore episode when we were, that we did a few years ago and we were talking about Marjorie. There's that line of Marjorie where Taylor sings, if I didn't know better, mm -hmm. I think you were singing to me now. And she is like, mm -hmm. if we believe in the resurrection of the body, if we believe in this God that loves us so much that he wants to spend eternity with us in heaven, like she is still singing. And when we go to mass, like that's our chance to unite with those people, those saints and angels that are, that are already united to God, already praising him day and night. Like that's our chance to be with them and like hear quote unquote them, them singing with us. Yeah. You like know, the same song, like the line yeah. what died didn't stay dead. Same song, oh, right? Like what died didn't stay channel. dead. Resurrection. Yes. What died didn't stay dead. What died, it didn't stay dead, fam. It didn't stay dead. All right. <laughs> so I'm saying this is why this yes. now this yeah. is why I've been a Taylor convert, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Her lyrics. Well, no, we, that's another episode for another time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think I think we're bringing this in for a landing. I always say at the beginning of my episodes that by the end, we're going to have some practical, tangible ways for our listeners to be able to take some of this home with them. So if there's one, what's one thing from this conversation that you're taking home with you that you think will help you know God and love God better? I mean, I guess thinking about all of the people that I am worshiping with and trying to think about like that communal aspect a little bit more. Cause I, I'll, even though it's something I love, I go in and I'm like, I'm kneeling, I'm praying, I'm focused on what I got to do today. Um, but really thinking of that, I like what we just said about the Sanctus, like when he's saying that it's not just me coming in for the music part, but like that it's, we're worshiping with the angels, we're worshiping together, we're all offering and bringing something to this liturgy. And um, just like we all bring our fits and our best for a Taylor concert, like, yeah. can we try to do that a little bit more? Can we bring a little bit more bling, a little more? You were talking about the outfits too, like, can we bring a little bit more of our best to the liturgy and that's hard because sometimes we're just tired and we just need that and that's that's fine too you sometimes yeah, just bring yourself you mm -hmm. as you are but maybe bring a little bit more offer a little bit more mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i think i think for me just that idea that we really are meant for eternity and our souls are longing for that and so when i find something that i'm like oh this is awesome whether it's music or a concert or a food or, or or anything that just like really excites me is take a moment to pause and be like oh yeah the reason this excites me is because the beauty that i find in this thing the goodness that i find in this thing is somehow a reflection of god and kind of use that as 
a spark for prayer. Use that as a reminder, like, hey, God loves me. And that's why he's made these good things for me to enjoy. And this should remind me to draw closer to him because that's that's really where my satisfaction is. And I'm you know, going to enjoy and thank God for, I'm going to enjoy this thing and delight in it and thank God for it. But ultimately, my ultimate delight is with Jesus in heaven, with the angels and all their eyes and everything. So that's going to be my uh, takeaway for today. I can't wait to see what they actually look like. I can't wait. Oh my God. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. All right. That's so, what we're going to take away. Uh, from. <laughs> all right, Julia, I often ask my guests at the end of the episode, if they would uh, close us in prayer, would you be willing to pray for us? Absolutely. Awesome. So listeners, wherever you are, let's take a moment and let's pray. In the name of the Father and Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, I just thank you so much for this time. I um, thank you for the friendship that I have with Mike, and for all of our friends and those that we go to concerts with. Lord, um, that we can try to bring that love and that enthusiasm, that unity, um, that emotion with um, all of our relationships every day, and especially into our relationship with you. That we bring those um, those vibes and those energies to the liturgy. Help us to pray together, help us to be more unified at Mass, and we just ask you to um, help us recognize your presence um, in all places and all time. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Julia. If people want to know more about you and where they can find you, where should they go? Um, I have an Instagram account for my podcast, which is Seven Mile Chats, and it's all spelled out at Seven Mile Chats. Um, I'm also on Twitter, and it's more of like my Catholic education account and some Wordle, you know, answers. Um, <laughs> it's at Mistruckly One, M S S T R U K E L Y One. I'm on, on X. It's not Twitter anymore. Right? It's on X. I mean, yeah. you, you literally, the website is still Twitter, but, um, yeah. <laughs> and Facebook, um, seven mile chats on Facebook. I'm on TikTok, Swifty Eacher. It's like Swifty with teacher. teacher. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. and yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Julia. Listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, if there's something that touched your heart or made you think the best way you can help us is to share this with somebody, take a screenshot, send it to them. You have to share with everybody on your social media, but I'm sure there's somebody, you know, that went to the era's tour and loved the era's tour just would find the, or loves the liturgy and would find this conversation interesting. Uh, if you would please send them this conversation, that's how so many people have found our show and we're just starting season four. I can't believe we're in season four of pop culture catechism. Thank you so much for those of you who have been with us since the beginning and those who you who are listening for the first time, if you want to make a deeper sort of uh, connection with the show and help us even more, you can become a patron by going to popculturecatechism.com and dot com and choosing one of six giving levels that fits your monthly budget or your tithe. Thank you to all our patrons who support the show, but especially Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Stephen, Maggie Hubbard, and Tom and Emily Kimberry Adi. And thank you to listeners for pressing play. And we will see you next time. God loves you so, so much. <laughs>